Off the ball. He said he was going to come, and I said, listen, Johnny, you don't have to come. I mean, I think Laura just, you know, I think they were having another child at the time. I said, Johnny, honestly, you don't have to come. And he was like, no, I'll be there. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Top pocket goal! It's what dreams are made of. They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen Martinami and joining me as ever is Emma Byrne and we also have a special guest this week in the form of WNL expert Alana Canan who's going to give us a bit of a lowdown on everything that happened over the season and also over the weekend now that the lovely Karen Duggan is in Amsterdam and can't do it herself. I think the the season ended and Karen just ran away straight away. She was like, it's time to go on my holidays. So hopefully she's having a fun time. How are you both? Very good. good. Yeah. Not not as good as Karen, obviously, but uh, good. <laughs> Well, she. I hope she is having a fun time and I can't wait to hear all the stories, both the ones we can tell you on the podcast and the ones that we cannot tell you next week. Um, and also just before we get properly set into everything, uh, the day this podcast is coming out, the 1st of November, actually marks the birthday of the Koi Gig podcast. We are officially one year old, which is kind of mad. Um, Karen and I have actually never met in person in that entire time. <laughs> we have this like, and even Emma, who does the team of the week, the first time I met her was like two months ago, randomly in a lift. And I was like, oh yeah, we actually have never met in person. So we've built a lovely online relationship. And I just want to say thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening over the last year. We obviously wouldn't have been able to keep going if it wasn't for that. And I'm very, very happy that our year marked qualifying for a World Cup because, I mean, could you ask for a better birthday present for your first year than that? <laughs> Absolutely not. What a time <laughs> to start. Somebody, somebody's got it up here, right? I'm, I'm saying that we're the lucky charm for the team. We are, we are <laughs> the reason that we're going to the World Cup. I'm claiming that for ourselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, so normally we have a bit of a chat at the top of the show but today we thought we would dive into the WNL a bit since the season is now finished we have our champions Alana worthy champions definitely I don't think you could especially deny it from them um, especially after the win over Wexford at the weekend at convincing 4-0 and having conceded just 13 goals over the entire league which is 27 matches um, it's just unbelievable and yeah congrats to Shells I think uh, given they had to face Quite a lot of adversity in, you know, the hangover of the Champions League, losing Jesse, Saoirse Noon and Chloe Mustaki, adding the pressure of Heather O'Reilly joining there and all the eyes that brought upon them all of a sudden. Um, yeah, I think basically everyone else stepped up really well. Jesse Stapleton, Stapleton and Shauna Fox in particular, in the absence of those players that I mentioned, as well as uh, Jess Garrigan and Rachel Graham, who were injured for a bit. They all just kind of really found their groove there back towards the last kind of four games of the season. And uh, yeah, paid off for them there at the weekend. Emma, did you enjoy seeing a Shells win or were you? <laughs> of course, of course. Why not? Well, my old team, Saint, I, if St. Patrick's were in it, if St. Pat's were in it, I might think differently. But um, oh, yeah, they, I mean, they're they're very consistent, the most consistent team. I think Kinger has done a great job there. Um, quality players as well. And a shout out to the goalkeeper. Conceding four goals, Amanda Wooden in 27 games is incredible. Like that stat is just incredible. Sorry, Thirteen, not four. <laughs> ah, okay. I thought you said four. That'd be an I was like, wow, <laughs> why is this girl not like being highlighted here? Okay, thirteen. Still very good. Still very good. Um, yeah, awesome. I mean, to go through that many games, thirteen is a great number as well. Um, consistency is key. They've done very well. And Alana, where do you think? shells go from here because obviously you mentioned the fact that they like have lost quite a lot of high profile players that's going to probably continue to be a bit of a problem for the top teams in the league and I know we had uh, the assistant manager on off the ball during the week and he was saying from July to July they'd lost seven internationals which is massive for like any team you're going to notice that do you think that they 
need to recruit a bit more or like turn to their youth levels and kind of bring them up through the ranks a bit more or like what what can they do I suppose to limit the impact of that yeah I think to Shell's credit they consistently do that you know um even last year when they lost the likes of Emily Whelan and Jamie Finn you know they had other players step up even Chloe Masaki then coming in there became a big player and now she's gone uh Jesse Stapleton Shauna Fox uh, Kiva Keenan, all these players are kind of consistently plugging the gaps, I guess. And then, yeah, you do have your youth players in there as well. Abby Larkin, I think, especially towards the end of the season, they kind of changed her role, put her in a centre-forward position. And um, it really solved the problem for them because while they were great at not conceding as many goals, they were kind of struggling up front. And um, like we all seen what Abby Larkin can do in a green jersey. So uh, it was just great to see her do it then for the Reds as well. And then uh, I guess on top of that, just to finish, Megan Smith-Lynch as well, who was a player of the match there at the weekend. Like, you know, they do bring in players from other teams, which might be uh, quite an interesting one over the next while because, you know, silly season, it's already begun. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to ask you about, cause it was a three-way race going into it. I know it kind of all landed on shells and Wexford, but I think like a mention has to be given to Athlone and what they managed to do this season. I mean, it's an incredible story and I don't think they even really know how they did it. Like we talked to some of the players on the show before and even like some of the management team and they're just like, we just took all the disappointment and tried from the last few seasons and just tried to, you know, put it out on the pitch this season and we managed to do it. But for you, what was the most impressive quality from this team? I think um, Adlone kind of uh, sum up just how mad this season was. And even Wexford at the weekend, had they won that game, they win the WNL trophy and lift it there and then. Having lost the game, they slip into fourth. Adlone and Piment are above them. Like That's just madness that the margins are that tight. But definitely Adlone have really kind of refreshed the league and shaken up that top three. They have some serious players who let's say, mightn't necessarily make it into your other squad, so like see your shells, Wexford, teammate. But Tommy Hewitt has kind of set them up that those players are highlighted in his system. Uh, they kind of actually remind me a lot of me, the LGFA, if anybody watches them. They attack as a unit and they defend as a unit. And you can just see their team dynamic. Like, they go for every ball and, you know, there's nothing nothing um, that they can't kind of overcome, I suppose, is the mindset they've instilled in themselves. And then on top of that, I think... Um, They've just really had some unbelievable players this season. Jessica Hennessy was arguably centre-back of the year, I'd say. Um, I'd actually love to see her get a call-up. That's a shout-out to Vera Pay there for the next window. <laughs> um, and then midfield, Marin Devaney, Laurie Ryan, Madison Gibson, topped off by Emily Corbett, who gave even the unbelievable Anya Gorman a run for money there in the Golden Boot race. It's just, yeah, they're, they've been brilliant this season and we'll have to wait and see will the weight of expectation of it hindered them or uh, kind of hurled them on now again next season hopefully it hurls them on I mean it's interesting to have a team like them up there and not just the traditional names that you would always have it's um, great although... it's fantastic guys um I was like, Athlone, who are Athlone? I had to like pull Karen aside. I was like, what's happening with Athlone? How are they up there? And it's like, it's great to see because it does, it, even in the, the league here in England, it gets a bit boring. You're kind of pushing for underdogs, aren't you? So yeah. you need a little bit of variety up there. And from what it sounds like, Athlone are just like, an incredible team. They make such a team effort. They put a hundred percent in like just grafters. And uh, I like the sound of that. So they've done excellent, really, really good. I think as well, because on the men's side, it hasn't always been the most organized situation. Like it's impressive that the women's side have managed to kind of put themselves aside to that and like build up a good setup. And like Tommy Hewitt seems to be doing a really good job and very much has his head screwed on about where he wants the team to go and what sort of football he wants them to play. Yeah, and like even adding to the stats there, I was looking up at Lone won four games last season, drew seven and lost 13. This year, they won 18, drew four and lost five. Like that turnaround is just unbelievable. And it's not like they've pulled a load of players out of the woodwork here or went, you know, searching from other teams. They've yeah. just kind of, I don't know, something switched for them maybe a third of the way through the season, they got on a bit of a winning streak and then realised, you know, Jesus lads, we can't do this, you know, kind of a... 
And looking then down at the other side of the table, because obviously we've had the champions and the teams who have done well, but for teams like Treaty United and Cork, like what can they do? Like Treaty didn't win a single game all season, mm. which is madness. And I can't imagine as a coach, like how you bring players up after a season like that. That was brutal, huh? Some of those results, like yeah. fair play to them for keep going every week, but it can't be fun. They can't be enjoying it. Can't be enjoying their football. No, and I especially think like they conceded 110 goals or something. Like they conceded a lot of goals. Yeah, like especially given they do have some great players, um, Jesse Mendes and her sister Alex, Cara Griffin, Amy Madden, probably the ones to watch there. But I think they just have to kind of ensure that they don't concede as much as the starting block and then kind of go from there. Cork to um, Danny Murphy's credit, has he's done a brilliant job there since he's came in. He's kind of instilled a bit of a structure in them and they've really kind of got a bit about them now. An early call, maybe they'll be at the atload of next season, pushing expectations up there. I'm not too sure. But, oh, you're putting yeah. them under pressure now. Yeah. Why, why, why are there so many managers? Like, why is there a big turnaround in Cork with managers? What's happening down there? Give us the goss. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure on that front, but what I will say is since Murphy's come in, he's given them, give them a lot of stability. You know, they have a lot of young Irish internationals. If you look at their setup, Eva Mangan in particular, and then, um, lots of other girls too. So uh, I think they're just kind of building whatever it seems to be in Munster. They um, can't get quite a foothold on it. And maybe it's a recruitment thing. It'll be interesting now, especially with Shamrock Rovers coming in because everyone expected when Sligo Rovers came in this year that they'd finish bottom of the table and they didn't do that. You know, they kind of pushed on a bit and uh, yeah, <laughs> um, pushed on a bit and, uh, you know, kind of, recruited they well damage but, they damage yeah. the top teams that's the the crazy thing yeah and like you know they had a big name in Emma Hansbury but they also had people that maybe other people wouldn't have heard of Lauren Bowles and then you saw what Emma Doherty done this season Pixie O'Hara so a lot of a lot of talent there it'll be interesting to see what everybody can do there next season especially as well with the addition of Shamrock Rovers coming in too and what do you think Shamrock Rovers are going to bring to the leagues? I know Karen has mentioned it a few times that there's a bit of, I don't even know if concern is the right word, but obviously they're coming in, they're quite well backed with funding. There's an expectation that they're going to attract like some of the bigger name players in the league and that they might become a bit of a, I suppose, a giant in the league and maybe take that title of actually dominating in a way that a lot of teams haven't really before. Yeah, yeah, I think so, definitely. They'll be expected to make a bit of a splash, especially considering they might, and I don't know, P-Mount United fans close your ears, they might uh, make things a bit rocky for them because, um, they, uh, like you're saying there, Kathleen, have quite an attractive structure. Also, the kind of proximity of the two, I think um, they'd be uh, looking to kind of nab a few from there. We'll have to wait and see, does it actually happen oh, for we, them? But... It's a shame we don't have Karen on here now. We yeah. could really put her under the spotlight. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'd be um, rumoured, all right, but we'll have to, we'll have to see uh, will it actually happen for them because especially kind of like what we were saying with Atlone, you know, if you walk into a Shell's dressing room or a P's dressing room or even a Wexford dressing room, there's big names there and kind of players are uh, touted as such. But if you walk into the Shamrock Rovers dressing room, let's say if it were to be from p or Shells or Wexford or whoever, you're automatically the probably biggest name there. And uh, notably, I'd say maybe the poster person for the team, along with the likes of Lauren McCabe and all the young talent Shamrock Rovers have. So yeah, definitely they'll be expected to make a splash this season right from the get-go. Oh, Karen's not going to be a happy woman. <laughs> <laughs> We'll tell her to not listen back. She might to be there. Time. She might be there next season. She could be very happy. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> and finally, Alana, the big thing that's been talked about, and actually I was quite surprised in the lead up to the games at the weekend when we were talking to all the different managers that were involved in the title race, all of them kind of separately brought up the idea of like compensation, semi-professionalism. And I, I actually thought that they wouldn't want to talk about that in the lead up to yeah. a big game. You know, I thought they'd be more concentrating on like previewing the game and talking about it. But 
it seems to be something that's weighing quite heavily on them as managers and like that they're concerned about where the league is going and that all of them are said that, you know, I think the women competing should get some sort of compensation. I don't know what that looks like though. And I also don't want to bring the league or a certain club into a situation where they do it for a season and then they go bust or mm-hmm. the league does it for a season and then the whole thing collapses. For you, where where do you stand on it? Like, what do you think is the right structure to be brought in? And how how do you think it should be done? Like, should it be centralised through the league or should it be left up to individual clubs? I think, first and foremost, it definitely is um, time and deserves at that. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. We'll have to see because, like you're saying there, it was kind of speculated there during the summer that maybe it was to come in this year. Um, I'm not actually too sure on that front as to when it would happen, but it'd be important to build on the income and momentum that we're going to get from the World Cup and everything following that too. So I think the most important thing is that if money were to come into the game in this facet, that it's invested in the right areas. There's no point throwing money at players to come in if first and foremost, they're not the right players for your club. And then second of all, if they're not so much invested in the club and what it means to play for it, because whether, you know, the fan support is what pushes them on or those more practical and rational reasons through bonuses for wins or goals or that kind of thing. I think it all needs to be looked at because, um, as I say, there's no point throwing money at uh, players if they're not going to kind of age or cause. What what does semi-professional look like? Uh, I'd like to know what they are thinking like in regards to that, because yeah. we talk about professionalism in football. And to be honest, it doesn't really mean anything to me unless you tell me the structure. What do you want from it? Like, what do you want from the money? What do you want the end result to be? I'm not, I'm not know. asking you. I'm not putting you yeah. on the spot. <laughs> I'm just saying in general, those would be my questions. There's probably a few ways to look at it. You either go paying every player in the club or you have, like Kathleen was mentioning there, like a centralised contract system where you say, okay, I don't know, 10 players are going to get X amount for this to say in the thing. But then it's kind of like, I was listening to a podcast you guys had done a few weeks ago and then it's like, do when is that the player's detriment? You know, when we want these players to push on and play for Ireland and play at high levels in the WSL or wherever that may be. You know, if we're keeping them here and it's staying within a certain standard, which is a good standard here, but when you're talking about world-class standards overseas, it is an interesting one. Emma, I'd be posing the same question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, will the, the FAI be dealing with that? Like, should it be from the FAI or should it be within the club structures as well? Because the club structures aren't a great example of, of you know, where to be professional or not. I don't know. It's a strange, it's a, it's a big question. It's a big question. Well, hopefully we will keep trying to answer it over the next few months before the season starts again. Alana, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us your insight. Um, coming up next on the show, we have Emma Carroll with her latest team of the week. But before then, we wanted to remind you about a competition we are running. Thanks to our partners at Cadbury, we're hosting, we're supporting Irish women's grassroots football and we were giving away the net profits from our most recent Cadbury Roadshow in Vicker Street. We're giving you the opportunity to win 1,000 euro. Very, very a lovely sum which I would love in my bank account but <laughs> we're giving it away so it's all good uh, worth of equipment for your local grassroots adult club for your club to be in with a chance to win contact us with your club details and contact information at thekoigigpod at offtheball.com turns and conditions apply head over to otbsports.com for more up next is Emma Carroll and the team of the week Emma, you had a bit of a struggle this week with all the similar kickoff times over the weekend. I don't understand why they do it. Like, it just makes no sense for anyone who wants to enjoy watching matches. No, five, two o'clock kickoffs. Absolute nightmare to watch. Especially um, the Spurs game. I had to catch the highlights, which was essentially just eight goals. Um, (laughs) I chose to watch um, Everton United. City, Liverpool and Chelsea Villa. So it was a it was hard going, especially when City and Chelsea decided to score a goal at the same time as well. I was like, where do I put my eyes? Very difficult. 
but you pulled through and you managed to deliver another team of the week. So do you want to run through who you have on your list? Yeah, we've made an effort anyway. Um, Mary Earps in goal, um, Neville once again outstanding this week, um, Wubamai, Mailing, and Torres Dottier at the back. In midfield of Galton, Nobbs, Ladd and Spence and then up front, I'm going to attempt her name, Brinish Jarris Dottier and Lauren James. Uh, thought Lauren James was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to it a few times. I'm like, try get <laughs> Weekend of the Dottiers, yeah. And I'm surrounded by Emma's once again, but Emma Byrne, how did you yes. feel about this team? What were your um, standouts? Do you know what? When when I first started on this podcast with you guys, you were leading me to believe that Emma's team would be controversial and that I would be arguing with her. But I I, I honestly, um, it's been really good. I've, I've pretty much agreed with most of the players. Um, absolutely. Galton, 100%. James was incredible, wasn't she? I mean, she's just turning into an absolutely brilliant player. And where is she going to fit in in the England team? I don't know. I mean, come on. They're just being a bit selfish, aren't they? Like with all these players, they're just so coming out. got any footwork. Irish passports there that they want to... Has, has <laughs> Neville got one? Because like, surely it. she's in with a shout for an England call-up at this stage. Uh, James is brilliant Nobbs uh, You know what I, I wonder about Jordan Nobbs I wonder how she is not Constantly Knocking on The door Of Jonas Idevale Because she should be Playing every week But where does she fit Because the only other player I might have changed Lad For Was uh, Manum Who I thought was excellent again um, The other day So yeah Brilliant Um Thor's daughter, yeah, sure, why not? But I definitely mailing. I probably would, but right back. I thought she was excellent as well. So totally agree with you there. And of course, it has to be Mary Earps for keeping another clean sheet. She is just flying at the moment. Yeah, I really like seeing her play this season. I just feel like the Euros has given her such a different level of confidence. To like, she was great last season as well, but she just looks like someone who is so confident. You can actually communication as well from her, can you? She's completely different, completely. And she's a completely different goalkeeper, not just the aura that comes off her. She is a different goalkeeper. She's much better. She's making much better saves, much better decisions. And she's completely cut out her mistakes, which is a huge thing for a goalkeeper. Is that down to communication, Emma? Because there was a stoppage in play yesterday and the camera just panned and Erps was chatting to... Turner and Letizia and you could see like directing. So there's obviously communication say you're doing something here that I don't like, fix it kind of thing. Like Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's turning into um the what do you say? The well, the grumpy goalkeepers. Well, we're known as a bit crazy people, but no, what what it is is the confidence from winning the Euros, the confidence of playing well in the Euro, the confidence of being a very important player for England in a winning team that's completely changed her and that you can see it as well because that will help her with her communications and it's a huge thing people don't understand the importance of communication from your goalkeeper and having that goalkeeper and um, because we've seen a couple of goals conceded this last week as well through lack of communication uh Courtney Brosnan unfortunately one of those um but anyway yeah she Mary Earps has just become an all-round goalkeeper and that's through confidence and that leads to so many different things the confidence communication good decision making um stronger in training stronger in matches it's just a massive thing for her. but do you know the worst thing this is why we are crazy as goalkeepers that can be completely destroyed in one split second in the game so as good as it is now and as flying high as she is, that can be completely destroyed. So enjoy it, Mary. Enjoy it while you can, <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, and another name I wanted to ask you about that you have in your team of the week and someone who's kind of quietly been getting a bit of plaudits this season is Wubba Moy um, because she had like, there was quite a few times last season where she made some mistakes that were quite bad. It was kind of seen as a weak point in the Arsenal squad, but this season that seems to have changed a little bit. Yeah, you can see her really growing, can't you? 
And like, I know people kind of had her down for a prospect, but especially when you're mix- missing Sousa and Williamson. And Williamson is brilliant, but she does tend to pick up these, like last season as well, she was, she missed a fair bit. Um, so you need somebody to depend on. And I think she's brilliant. And I think, think her passing as well has improved as well. She's hitting those crossfield passes as well as what you see like from Williamson as well. I thought she was very good yesterday. I thought she was commanding. Catley's yeah. done well as well. And unfortunately she made that that mistake yesterday that led to the goal as well. But um, yeah, Who's Arsenal mistake? are looking good. Who's mistake do you think it was? We're speaking about communication from the goalkeeper, actually. That's another good example. That goal for West Ham, for me, was a communication error. Not really decision-making. You've got Catley facing her own goal under pressure. You could see, you know, that there there wasn't a decision being made there. Um, Zinsberger didn't move at first. So the initial thing was to pass it back and then changed her mind. So it would be questionable who whose mistake that was. I don't want to blame the goalkeeper, obviously. So I want you to say it, <laughs> Emma. You have to say it. Well, Catley looked up. To me, she looked up before she, did, she passed. Um, so I don't know if she missed pass or like it was just her pass just wasn't... Spot on, which is strange coming from Catley, who then goes on to give a brilliant assist. Like she, she's no, not no, known she's for passing the ball poorly. So that's it. That's it, Emma. She looked up and Zinsberger wasn't moving. That's the problem. So when she looked back down, she made the decision to pass back. But in that split second, Zinsberger stepped forward. So that's the problem. And then it, it all goes like crazy. I'm not going to swear. But actually, uh, Neve Fahey's first ever game for Arsenal we did the exact same thing like pretty much exact same goal it was actually an own goal for Neve, and uh, obviously she was devastated but we uh, we were laughing about that a while ago so yeah good debut for her it sounds ideal exactly what you would want <laughs> of course I blamed her <laughs> well I mean, the goalkeeper's never at fault so <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us this week no worries Watch next week. Now it was quite a weekend of WSL action. Uh, eight goals for Tottenham, Arsenal conceding for the first time, United keeping their clean sheet going and staying top of the table. Um, it's hard to know where to start honestly with it all and even up down the other end of the table Reading what a what a comeback from them I kind of want to start there because we said last week that you know this this is going to be a key game in the relegation battle Leicester scored I think it was after like 35 36 minutes and then out of nowhere two goals from Rachel Rowe in the 90th and 92nd incredible the second one in particular as well. She just made it out of nothing. Like Incredible. Do you know, Reading have kind of started the season like this in general. I mean, in, in the individual games and in general, like they start poor and you think, oh, this is a disaster for them. And then they end up coming good. Um, but actually, Rachel Rowe was one of the players I was going to suggest maybe to go into that midfield team of the week because I think she was incredible. Um, the other day, I think she was incredible last week. She's a very important player for Reading. Really, really important. And yeah, as you said, I mean, the corner definitely would question the keeper, to be quite honest. And But the second goal, she, it was completely self-made. She won the ball. She went through about three players and then really lovely strike right in the corner. And you could just see, those are the type of games that change your season as well. They had to win that game yesterday. Um the players knew they had to win. That was all they were talking about. We have to win. We have to get three points and that's it. And looking at the game, it didn't look like that the way they started, but they finished like that. And that's really important. That's the second time they finished really, really strong like that. So yeah, that was a very important three game, three points game for them. And I think it might change their season from here. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting because even to have the mental resilience to keep pushing all the way to the end. Like it shows that they are fighting and they are fighting for their season and that they want 
to stay up. And then for Leicester as well, like that was such a hammer blow because they were so close to having it in the bag. And now they're bottom of the table. Their nearest rivals finally have a few points above them. Like what, what do you do or where do you go for Leicester now? Well, yeah, as much as it's a game changer for Reading, it could be a game changer for Leicester as well. Like these are the games that really kick you when you're down and it's really difficult to get back up from it. I mean, they just have to regroup and focus on the next game. It's this, it's not very, we're not very far into the season, so they do have time to recover. Plus you also get a little bit of pleasure <laughs> from seeing another team that's around you getting absolutely walloped um, as Brighton did. So that those kind of things will pick them up a little bit as evil as it sounds, but it is true. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not under, I mean, they are under pressure, don't get me wrong, but it's not big pressure because they came into the league. They weren't expected to do great things. So, and the only way is is up from here from them. But, you know, it's the rest of the points that they have to think about, the Brightons, the Liverpools um, and Reading uh, away as well. So it's it's too early for them to get too upset, but they need to start picking points up. That's for sure. And you mentioned the, the walloping that Brighton got against Tottenham. I mean, before that game, Tottenham had only scored three goals in the league all season and they managed to bring that tally to eight in one match. Like, yeah. or, well, 11 in total, but like eight in one game. Yeah. What, like, what is up with Brighton? Because they just, you expect so much more from them. And I, I say this every week and I'm like, why do I expect so much more from them? But like, I know it's a good setup there. I Like they have Hope Powell. They have decent players, but, you know, a team like Tottenham shouldn't be putting eight goals past them. No, no, absolutely not. Um, Six nil at halftime as well. Six nil at halftime is incredible. And um, the record is nine. I don't know if I said they were beaten nine earlier, but the record is nine. So they're one goal off the, the all time record in the WSL, which is incredible. Um, yeah, they do have a good setup. Hope Powell is very organized. She's a good coach. So I know she'll be hurting. And as well as that, she is a very good defensive coach. So I know it sounds strange when you're talking about them getting beaten 8-0. But when you look at the game, you look at the players, there's something going on with some of those players because they're just not putting the 100% effort in, which is something you expect from all your players. They're slow to react. They're not closing down. They're leaving huge gaps. Um, They're not communicating well. There's loads of stuff going on quite there. Plus, unfortunately, I don't think Megan Walsh is is having the best time of her life. Um, Not obviously, you're talking about eight goals. They weren't all her fault, obviously not. But I do think it wasn't a great performance from her. It wasn't. It wasn't a great, particularly the cross, the looping ball to the back post was, was a little bit disappointing. But um, when your whole team or your whole defensive unit is feeling that low in confidence, like when as a goalkeeper, I'll speak as a goalkeeper again, um, when you're feeling a little bit low in confidence and, you know, you're, you might be training well, but the games are a problem, you just feel down. You need other players around you to help you. And that's what you do as a team and outfielders as well. You, you need your teammates to pick you up, whether you're playing centre back or right back, whatever. And unfortunately, what's happening at Brighton, the whole unit are having a bad time. So it's really difficult. So they're going to need the big players, the players like Dan Carter to come in and, and pick them up, like just to, you know, to help them along. And because um, they do, they do have good players. It's just, they just need to, they need to get together as a team and just work it out and and stop leaking those goals. It's There are too many goals going in. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think that, Hope Powell may have run her course at Brighton because you talk about the fact that like the players don't look like they're performing at their top best ability. They don't look like they're pushing themselves. Do you think is there maybe a bit of staleness or something that has crept in there somewhere? Um, I don't think so. I don't think Hope would allow that. I just think it's a really bad moment for them. And I mean, I don't know what's going on down there, but I have a feeling that maybe she's putting her trust in players that she shouldn't be. And she needs to change that up a little bit because, 
you know, they don't have great pace at the back, so they do have to play a little bit deeper. So then you're talking about your midfield helping out as well, um, which just the units aren't working well together. But um, I don't think it's a problem that Hope can't fix. This is going to be a big problem for her to pick them up from. Yeah. But um, I think they'll do it. I mean, they're under a bit of pressure now. Maybe they work better under pressure, for sure. I'm sure there are lots of meetings going on this week to get the mental side of things right. Mm. And I suppose, in a way, it's not entirely surprising that they would struggle a bit defensively this season with losing my Letizia who like literally yeah. played every minute for them last season I think and has been such a, a stalwart there so I understand that they probably needed to be a bit smarter in the transfer window and that's it someone yeah. in as a stopgap even just even something short term and then like use the season to actually work out well what do we need or who who does fit that role um, because I'm sure as well that they probably knew that there was conversations happening. Like I know there have been rumors that she was leaving for a long time anyways. Yeah. Actually yeah. Go. Um, but also you can't take away from Tottenham either in that. Oh, they're incredible. As you said, that's a crazy stat. They'd only scored three goals in four games, which to me, we would have been talking about them having problems scoring goals, <laughs> the commentator's <laughs> curse. And then they were, it was just a goal fest, wasn't it? And they just kept coming and coming and coming. I was like, oh my God, this like, I nearly feel bad for, for Brighton right now. I genuinely didn't know if it was going to stop. Like I was like, like you say about the record being nine goals. I was like, this could easily go well past that. With the yeah. And, and I'm sure Emma Carroll was absolutely delighted because this is the week she can talk about Ashley Neville. She was absolutely outstanding. Like she was above the rest, completely above the rest. Like what did she score? She scored two goals and two assists. Is that right? I mean, that's a great record. That's a fantastic record for a supposedly defensive player. Yeah, well, I think she's definitely shook it off this week that she's just defensive. Like she, or the season in general, she can kind of do everything. And I know we talk a lot about, well, why isn't, like what should her name be on the team sheet for an England call up at some stage? I think it's so hard because that team is so stacked, as we said before. Oh, well, she's doing- got to though. She has to be called up. She has to be. I mean, she is one of the best players in the league at the moment. She stands out. And then it's it's up to it's up to England where they want to play her, but she can literally play anywhere. I mean, what a player to have, even if you don't use her. She can play midfield, she can play at the back. She just can't yeah. play in goal anywhere else. <laughs> but you never know. I mean, she could. She could <laughs> no. no, 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 no. It's impossible. You can't do it. That used to really drive me insane, actually, when an outfielder went in goal, you know, in training or anything like that, and they'd be quality. I'd be like, burning. <laughs> You're not allowed. It's a bit like George Stanway last season when City had their goalkeeper crisis that she was yeah. ready to line out for the goal. Um. Manchester United continue their brazen run in the league this season. Um, they're the first team since City to win in their first five games without conceding a goal since City in 2016. So yeah. they're, they're playing still- some brilliant stuff. They're being yeah. they're 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 playing fantastic. Three 0 over Everton is not an easy thing to do. Like Everton are a really good side and getting better and better. This will certainly put a dent in their momentum. Um, have to be said though, there are a few mistakes from Everton. Um, unfortunately, mistake the first one for me, Courtney. It's a great ball in, and she just made a poor decision to come and get it. It was it was a fantastic ball. Don't get me wrong, um, but she didn't need to. So just needs to work on that a little bit. Galton, huge, huge player. Can they keep her fit for the season? Is the question. Um, what a player. She's, she took on four or five players and then that finish just looked so natural, so easy, didn't it? Yeah, just the way she hit the ball, I was like, and even afterwards when she was celebrating and stuff, I feel like there's just this level of confidence in this United team that they kind of expect that level of themselves. It's not like, a, it was a, for the first few matches, it was almost like they were kind of surprised they were playing so well. And now they've settled into it a little bit. And, you know, Mark Skinner was talking after the game about the togetherness of the team. And he was like, yep, the results are great. It's great we're not conceding any goals. But what I'm most proud of as a coach is watching the team and how they're playing and how 
they're working with each other, which I thought was really interesting from him. No, it, it is. And and again, I, I met some of them yesterday. Manchester is a very small place, by the way. I meet a lot of players. Um, I met some of them yesterday and I was saying, you know, I was just commenting, you're on, you're in great form. Like, and they were like, it's just incredible. Training so much fun. We really enjoy going into work. You know, that's a massive thing. That doesn't happen everywhere. It's it's actually not as common as people think. They enjoy going in. They want to go in. Uh, even on their days off, they would catch up. They'd meet up with each other. It's a massive thing. But also what United have done and what Mark has them doing really, really well is their press and how they win the ball back. Um, something that has completely transformed them, to be quite honest. And I think that's a huge part of their game. And of course, then they've got the, the pace and they're so clinical, so good in transitions. And as we said, you know, I can't wait for them to, to play against a big team just, just to see mm. uh, how they get on. And obviously they're playing against Chelsea next week. So and they've Arsenal as well after the international yeah. break. So. Difficult run for them, difficult. Yeah. But I suppose like... For a team, because they're only doing this for the first time, there's going to be those question marks over them until they have those big challenges. And even if they win one of those games, I think it'll still be quite a big moment for them in their season because, I mean, it's not easy to take points off Chelsea or Arsenal. And I really feel like they could at this stage. I think that's like the level. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um. I mean, I think they're they're playing Chelsea at a difficult moment for United because I think Chelsea are in a really good place. Mm. Um, but they need these tests. They need them. And I think the midfield battle is going to be very interesting mm. at the weekend. Well, I look forward to so That's actually a game I'm really looking forward to. You know, every so often the game's like, and I, it's definitely going to be like a nil all dead rubber or something now that I've said <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, it's quite interesting because Chelsea have changed how they play a little bit. I was harping on last season about they never play through midfield. They're so direct. They play one ball uh, forward. But they've changed a little bit. They've changed. They're starting to play through the thirds. It's a little bit different than how they were. So I think... Um, I think it's going to be quite tactical yeah. in this game. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Chelsea there. They had another win against Aston Villa 3 1. Uh, Lauren James, absolutely stand out once again. And I think it just shows how people were questioning last season was she smart to go to Chelsea? You know, she wasn't getting <laughs> game time. Um, but like, they, they seem to have stamped out the injury issues she was having. They've given her the time to develop properly as a player. And once again, full credit to Emma Hayes, because you can't really say that, you know, she's had such a great hand in James's development. I think if she'd stayed at United, I don't think we'd be saying the player we're saying at the moment. Well, I mean, if you, if you are a player and you know you need tweaks in your management and how you're managed... Emma Hayes is the only person that you should be going. Like, doesn't matter who she's managing. You got, you just have to try and get there because Emma just has that natural gift and she's a very good communicator as well. So it just makes things easier. But she needed to get fitter, Lauren James, um, which she has. She needs to get stronger. She's so much stronger. She's impossible to to get the ball off. Like it's, you just, uh, you cannot get the ball off her. And then she just moves with it like so naturally. Um, knows where the goal is. Great in 1v1s. I mean, quick. She's everything you need in in a an attacking player. Um, obviously, it was a great decision to go to Chelsea for because Emma Hayes is there. There's no other reason, to be quite honest. Um, and... I think she's been absolutely brilliant. And you know what? What's scary is she's only going to get better and better if they can keep her fit, that is. Like you said, she yeah. is prone to an injury. But I'm sure they're doing everything right there at Chelsea because um, Emma is very much into the sports science side of things as well. Uh, but yeah, she's fantastic. Again, I mean, we've seen her playing against Man City, so she's already been up, very, up against very, very good defenders and she was absolute class that day too um, just need to see if she can be consistent and keep it up because she has dropped in and dropped out uh, good moments bad moments in the season so this mm. is her time to prove it this is her season to prove it and I think if she does that she's definitely going to be an England starter definitely and even as you say like 
she has to prove that consistency and the only way she can do it is with consistent game time which is what she's getting this season in a way that she wasn't last season I know she was playing like a lot with some of the younger youth teams in Chelsea but in terms of actually getting game time in the main squad that was kind of hard to come by uh Arsenal have finally conceded a goal running run but also it was a 13 consecutive win for them in the WSL which is a record so it's not all bad (laughs) and it was just it was unfortunate the goal that they did concede I know there should have been a goal just before that that was incorrectly ruled out as well devastating for them like they'll kind of brush it off but it is devastating because as much as when you're getting interviewed like oh yeah clean sheet you know it's brilliant obviously we're going to try and blah 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 quite blase no it was a massive thing for the goalkeeper and for the defenders it's huge and then in the in the manner in which they did it like communication error for me okay maybe a mistake from Catley um, but it was definitely communication so it's unfortunate but um, as you said 13 consecutive wins, which is incredible for Arsenal. They're going to obviously try and keep that as their record. Now one of the records has gone. They have to try and find another goal. Um, and also 100, cap- 100 caps, 100 appearances for Katie McCabe, which is uh, pretty huge as well. A sensational record. And she performed really well, I thought, on the night as well. That cross, that cross, my God. She's just probably the best player to put the ball exactly where she wants it. Like it was just a beautiful cross, mm. absolutely, for the goal, the third goal. And you mentioned it earlier when we were doing Team of the Week, but it was great to see Jordan Nobbs on second goal in four days, which is always great to see. And I I don't know, I almost felt like a bit emotional, like listening to her post-match and talking and stuff because she is such a like feature of the team she's had such a rough ride of it and it feels like she's maybe getting a bit of momentum now and I hope that continues for her because if she's not getting that game time at Arsenal you would have to think she has to push for I don't know even a loan or something for the second half of the season so that she can try and make that World Cup squad that's it well um I would be I would put a, a lot of money on that fact that that conversation has been had last season, probably last season, and maybe going out on loan. But as a manager, you wouldn't want her going out on loan. You need a player like her, even if it is on the bench. How do you keep her happy? Because she should be playing. And when she does play, she scores goals and she has great games and she's a passionate player. She won't want to sit on the bench. So this yeah. will be ongoing conversations and Jordan is very ambitious and I know that she would want to play obviously she wants to play at Arsenal if that's not going to happen she'll want to play somewhere else but I'm sure Idevel is trying to keep her at Arsenal and by giving her these minutes and I just hope that it doesn't change after the window because that's happened before as well, that they get the games, they, they're happy up until the window. Then when the club know they can't, that sh- players can't move, then they yeah. go back to, well, you sit on the bench for four or five consecutive games. Jordan deserves to play, but where? Where does she play? She came on for Kim Little. She's not going to play in front of Kim Little. Well, you like Kim Little was stretchered off. So like, I don't know how serious I haven't seen anything since last night to say how serious the injury is or not. But there, I feel like there's a chance she's going to be out for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, Kimmy, Kimmy does not uh, get on the stretcher if she can walk. So it's not yeah. looking good for Kimmy, um, which is unfortunate because she's been absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, with Champions League coming up, and we've seen, we've seen what Arsenal were like without a Kim Little and there weren't very, nothing very exciting nothing. going on there, was there? No, but the fact is that they do have Jordan. They've got Manum, they've got yeah. Vivian Miedema if they want her to drop in a little bit. They've got players now that can compensate for that, but you can't, you can never replace Kim Little. No, the thing that like jumped my head when I saw her getting on the stretcher was Champions League because I think in the WSL, we definitely have enough there that we can keep powering on. I mean, as you say, you're not going to be the same team, but you can you can cover it. But in the Champions League and in the group we're in, I was a little bit more worried about it. Um, and finally, Man City 2, Liverpool 1. Where Liverpool, once again, not getting their points. City, pretty standard performance from them, kind of what we've come to expect so far this season. Yeah, yeah I mean, disappointing. 
I think it was disappointing from City when I was watching the game. Maybe I'm expecting more from them just because of the players they have or whatever. I mean, I think they started really well. I think the first 20 minutes was really good from City, personally. Um, And of course, you've got players in there that can win games like the likes of Bunny Shaw and, and Rasso and loads of players. They have loads of players. But... They're not consistent. In the second half, they dropped off as well. They were so deep in the second half. Um, and I think it's definitely something that the manager needs to look at. But also, you have to give credit to Liverpool. I thought uh, Liverpool did really well. They were very, very brave in the yeah. way that they pressed as well. Like, they were a 1v1 situation at the back every time they pressed high, which... City didn't exploit, so it worked for them. I mean, that space in behind Liverpool was crying out for a long ball and City just would not do that. <laughs> um, but they're very brave in their press. It worked. I thought Stengel was really good. She might have been on that team of the week, to be honest. I thought her pressing was excellent and her hustling up there, she didn't let them settle for a minute. Um, and of course, Megan Campbell's throwing. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I'm laughing because I was listening to a conversation that the City girls were having um, and they were just going on about this throw-in. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's our weapon in the World Cup. Um, but so yeah, I mean... that they are talking about it because we did say that like this season, how would teams react to it or how would teams feel about it? Yeah, I mean... Th- I still don't. Well, I think they know now, but they didn't yeah. know a month ago about the Megan Campbell throw because nobody was talking about it. And also she wasn't really getting her game, which I thought was crazy. She didn't play two weeks ago. We were talking about this. Yeah. I was like, you have to have Megan Campbell on the pitch just for her throws. Like, and you see, and she's starting and they're, they're so dangerous. Um, But Liverpool had their chances. I mean, we talk about City you know, winning. And if you hadn't seen the game, you probably thought it was an easy win. It wasn't. It was really no, difficult. No, it was difficult for them. You know, and Roberts had a great chance at the end, was cleared off the line and it was like nail-biting, nail-biting stuff for City. So no easy win. A good three points for them. And I think um, Gareth Taylor was very, well, he said he was really, really happy with the three points. I'm sure he was. Well, Emma, thank you so much once again for all your insight. We will be back next week with the lovely Karen Duggan, providing that she returns home safely from her holiday with all the WSL action. The Koi Gig Pod and OGB Sports is an association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will see you all next week for the new year. Now that we're one year old, we're going to start into a new year and hopefully bring you even more good content. Thank you very much for listening. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.